Uh-huh. I know what you're thinking. Is this the booth drafting the circuits? Three-way theater or the Kevin Jackson show? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kinda lost track myself here on Hoobazoo.com. So, do you feel lucky, punk? Oscar Mike Radio. Come in. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Sinister One, this is Oscar Mike. I have Ulima Charlie over. Good evening, folks. Today is November 9th, the day before the Marine Corps birthday. It's 8 p.m., and it's time for Oscar Mike Radio. I'm joined today by uh, retired Naval Commander uh, John Wells. And John has gained notoriety recently for some actions around uh, an award in the New Orleans Saints. And so, John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, and I do want to make sure that I take this opportunity to, one, thank you for having me, and two, to wish uh, our favorite auxiliary a happy birthday tomorrow. <laughs> thank you very much, sir. Much appreciated. Um, <laughs> we love the Marines. Absolutely. Well, as one as one uh, uh, chief told me, you know, we're just uh, we just take you guys from point to point B. That's all we do, and we look good doing it. So. Uh, That's true. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless the uh, thing to remember is uh, if you go to the Marine Corps hymn, I think it's the second stanza, it talks about uh, the streets of heaven are guarded by United States Marines. And I think we've got to realize that nobody else is qualified to do that. Nobody else is worthy to do it. The United States Marines are, are nobody else. Can, they're the only ones. But always remember, it took the Navy to get the Marines to heaven. Absolutely. So it's tempting to really focus on the the uh, events surrounding the award, uh, the, the People's um, uh, Award with the New Orleans Saints, and I want to just briefly touch on that, but I wanted to kind of flip things around. Uh, you've talked about that a whole lot, but as I started really digging into who John Wells is and your career, both in and out of the Navy, I, I'm like, that's not the real story here to me. The real story is is all the stuff before we got to this point, and I think... I think what happened with New Orleans Saints is definitely important and worth talking about, but there's a whole lot of things that you have accomplished in your naval and civilian career that I definitely want to touch on, especially your group, the Military Veterans Advocacy. I really want to be able to, if you don't mind, sir, spend the majority of the time really digging into what that organization does. A lot of people may not understand how military law and advocacy work together. Not a problem, man. I mean, it's uh, we'll certainly go anywhere you want, and uh, just in case everybody 
uh, didn't realize that I have a lot of respect, seriously have a lot of respect for the United States Marine Corps. So we, we give them a hard time every once in a while. But, you know, that's... Uh, it's all part of the uh, game. It's all part of the game. Of part of the game. That's right. So just briefly, I just just very, very brief. I, want, I mean, what happened, folks, is I, I, I uh, read about uh, Commander Wells refusing to accept an award from the Orleans Saints, which I'm a, I, I was a fan of the Saints until this year. And the reaction from the New Orleans Saints to him deciding not to accept this award got my interest. And then, um, and so I, I guess just very briefly, if you would talk about, you know, why you chose to do that. I know you've talked about it before, but just kind of for the people here, kind of bring us through that time frame. And then we'll dig into the, your organization you're running now. Sure. Well, the issue with the New Orleans Saints uh, actually started back, Oh, I guess uh, uh, in the summer, I was told that I was under the consideration for People's Health Choice, uh, Champion Award, which is given to those over 65 that are making significant contributions. And to be honest with you, when I first heard about it, I thought, mm, these guys want money. Well, I came to find out that it was a legitimate award, and I was actually quite honored and very excited about it, to be honest with you. Then the season started. And on the week three, the Saints take on me uh, overseas in London. And uh, then they stand for the uh, God Save the Queen, but they kneel for the National Anthem. Well, I said, wait a minute, time out. And I basically pulled the plug on the NFL. And I kind of watched to see what happened. Um, you know, there was the situation a couple of weeks ago where they took a knee during the uh, moment of silence for a slain police officer. And, of course, they came back and said, well, gee, we couldn't hear that. Well, come on, man. You're on the uh, on the field. Everybody in the stands heard it. How can you say you didn't hear it? And probably just weren't paying attention or just playing around. I don't know. But, you know, I found that to be quite insulting. I also waited to see what happened at the last owner's meeting, kind of hoping that Roger Goodell would show some leadership, which is kind of forlorn, forlorn hope i'm afraid he hasn't shown very much uh but and he did not show leadership uh you know and uh, as a result they didn't correct this problem you know frankly if i'd been the commissioner uh, i would have just said come on guys you made your point now let's go ahead and get things back together um he did not do that i tend to think that jerry jones is right it's time for him to go and let's bring condoleezza rice and i should certainly do a much better job i believe but you know, from there, I had to make the decision. Do I go on or do I not? Now, a few weeks ago, I also got an award from uh, the Folds of Honor Society up in Baton Rouge, the local chapter up there, and uh, an event called the Patriot Shootout where they uh, have a, a, a golf tournament, okay? Uh, it's a shootout as in golf, not as in weapons. Um, and I went up, accepted the award, very beautiful award, listened to a very moving uh, speech by uh, a young girl who just graduated from uh, uh, college, thanks to the Folds of Honor Society, who had lost uh, uh, her father when she was about, uh, I think she was about five or six. And how keeping that father's memory alive, how difficult it was for her, how proud she was, and how thankful she was to the Folds of Honor Society. And, of course, the Folds of Honor refers to the way the flag is folded before it's given to the next of kin. So I, 
you know, I go back and I take this award, I hang it in my conference room, I look at it, and I say, well, gee, how can I accept that award and then walk into an NFL stadium without basically betraying that award or denigrating it? And you know, I just came to the conclusion that I could. And uh, and I've talked to Fools of Honor folks. I even got a nice note from uh, Major Dan Rooney who set up the Fools of Honor uh, agreeing with my decision. Uh, it was just to the point where I couldn't do it. And you know, I notified them. I thought plenty of time. I notified them the Wednesday before, and frankly, they were very cordial. Um, I was uh, actually a little surprised that uh, they were very understanding. They said they, they understood where I was coming from. It was not a problem, and uh, I was a little surprised when they decided to take the low road and actually attack me as being uh, divisive and sad. Oh, that's so, a yeah, it was just surprising. That's fine. And, uh, you know, for those who want to read my response to that, I just uh, published an article online in The Hill, which is a magazine, a uh, news magazine in Washington, D.C., uh, and you can certainly uh, Google that. It's uh, entitled, uh, Why I Turned Down the NFL Award, or words to that effect, and you put that in my name and it should pop up. Yeah, I'll, I'll have uh, that. I'll, 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 details. Yeah, just real briefly, I'll, I will have that, folks, in the... Oscar Mike Radio blog post for this episode, so you can uh, click right on it and read it. It's it's definitely worth the time. Yeah, and you know, I was I was trying to make a point. Certainly, I wasn't trying to be mean. I wasn't trying to keep the players from doing their doing their thing. I was just wanting to say I didn't agree with their thing, and I think I've got the right to do that. About ninety five percent of the comments that I've gotten are supportive. Uh, I've got about 3% that are respectively, you know, hey, listen, we disagree with you. Fine. There's no problem with that. And then about the 2%, oh, you're a white supremacist, a racist, you like police brutality, and a few death threats thrown in, which is fine. Uh, I, uh, as an attorney, I had actually taken a number of uh, cases against law enforcement, uh, you know, when I felt that there was an actual police brutality situation. So I kind of found that I now am a supporter of police brutality. It would be very uh, <laughs> uh, ironic, yeah. but you know, it, uh, it, it is what it is. And you know, most of these people are just going to jump. They're going to follow the narrative. Uh, they're not going to look behind what happened uh, to try to figure out what the facts are, which is why, why I wrote that article for the Hill. So, so leading up to that, and this is where I kind of, you know, was talking about this in the first part of the show, is you, to, to be nominated for this award and get it, you had to do a whole lot of other things. And one of the things that stuck out as I really started digging into who you were and what you did in your career was um, your, your organization called the Military Veterans Advocacy. And I really think people missed a lot of that. I want to I wanna give you the opportunity to talk about that because you've worked in some pretty uh, high-profile cases. You've uh, testified in front of Congress. You're on the first-name basis with a lot of politicians in Washington and locally. And I just think it's very interesting, and I was hoping you'd tell us more about it. Sure. Um, kind of started out, I was not a JAG in the military. I was a surface warfare officer. I like to say I worked for a living. And then uh, after... Uh, I was second in command of a ship, or executive officer of a ship, 
by the time the Berlin Wall came down. I figured, yeah, let's find a different way to make a living. And sure enough, uh, we went from close to 600 ships to less than 300. So my chances for getting my own ship were pretty not very good at that point. And I realized that. So I took a job commanding a reserve, what they used to call a readiness center. Uh, it was actually a Navy and Marine Corps Reserve Readiness Center in Pittsburgh. And uh, Duquesne University had a night law program. So I was able to go to a law school at night and kind of worked out a deal with the Navy that, uh, you know, I would just stay there until uh, I finished law school. So I graduated about six weeks before I retired from the Navy. Uh, took the Pennsylvania bar. And my wife's from Australia. She has a uh, an aversion to snow, so we came down here and uh, into Louisiana, where I've been stationed before, and there's not too much snow in Louisiana. Nope. But, but it's a different set of laws. It's the Napoleonic Code. Uh, so I opened up the Louisiana Civil Code, said, well, I'm going to look at this thing before I study for the bar. And it was like, oh, my God, what is this? I mean, even the stuff that's the same had a different name. So, you know, it was... Uh, like, okay, I need to spend about a year studying for the bar, which is what I did. Uh, in the meantime, I had my Pennsylvania license, so I could start doing military and veterans law, and I did. I started doing court martials. Uh, uh, we've had a couple of successful cases. And, and in fact, one of a appellate case actually to, uh, changed the law, uh, that kind of a uh, esoteric thing in the military rules of evidence. Uh, we also were able to... Uh, have uh, some Navy policies declared unconstitutional. Uh, and, uh, you yeah, know, it was kind of a fun thing. But, you know, I saw that there was a major need for folks in the veterans arena. So I eventually started cutting back on the military law and putting additional emphasis on, uh, uh, on the veterans law. Uh, about that time, uh, I was contacted by a lady whose husband was uh, uh, in the Dunham Harbor, I believe it was, and uh, was exposed to Agent Orange. Because what would happen was only Agent Orange dioxin was mixed with petroleum, but would float out into the harbors and into the South China Sea, where it would be taken up into the distillation plant, and uh, uh, the process converting it from uh, salt water to water for uh, drinking did not remove dioxin and actually enriched it. Well, I actually knew that equipment because I was an engineer on several ships. So next thing I knew, uh, you know, folks asked me to go testify before the Institute of Medicine, which I did. Uh, and I went back to another committee of the Institute of Medicine. Now, there's this wonderful lady. Uh, I keep saying she's a little old lady in tennis shoes. She's not really. We call her Princess Susie. <laughs> and uh, she, uh, her husband had uh, applied for the benefits of Stern Down. And uh, eventually, because they proved that he set foot in Vietnam on the way to the ship, uh, and it was just luck they did, uh, he got his benefits. But she said, this isn't right. And she's the one who drafted me. <laughs> and then it was like, hey, you, uh, you go to Washington uh, on your military cases, right? Yeah, I do. Sure. Every once in a while. Well, listen, would you mind spending um, uh, an afternoon up on uh, Capitol Hill talking to these congressmen? Yeah, not a problem. I said, you know, usually I, my court cases are over by noon, and I don't fly out to the next day, so sure, that's not a problem. It keeps me out of the bars and everything, so I did. <laughs> uh, 
uh, next thing it was like, well, can you spend another day up there? Hmm? Yeah, okay, sure, I can do that. And then it was like, uh, how about the rest of the week? Mm, okay. And then it was like, uh, well, I've got all these appointments set up for him. Susie, I'm not going up there. Well, yeah, you are now. So yeah, I was going up there, and I, of course, not getting paid for any of this, except, you know, if I was going up on a case, I got uh, my transportation and maybe a night or two paid. But uh, the rest of it was coming out of my pocket. So I started working for the Blue Water Navy Vietnam Veterans Association pro bono. And then as, as I looked at the problems with toxic exposure, I decided to go out on my own. And in 2012, we formed Military Veterans Advocacy. Uh, and our, we have a three-pronged approach. First is uh, uh, legislation. We spend a lot of time on the Hill. I've visited every congressional office, every senatorial office, and oftentimes more more frequently than one. There's a lot of them I've visited a number of times, especially when they change congressmen every two years. you got to go up there and hit all the new folks. Right. So, uh, yeah, and I do a little bit here in, in Louisiana, but mostly that's up in D.C., Second prong is uh, litigation. Okay, we uh, uh, will file suit to protect members of the military and uh, and veterans. I've got a uh, lady, for example, who is a whistleblower for uh, burn pits, uh, and she was uh, sent home with a bad fitness report and forced out of the military after 17 years, one month, and sexually assaulted on the way. You know, it was just uh, uh, terrible what they did to her. So we, we've got a case going now pending against the uh, uh, the Navy to try to restore benefits. Uh, we have so I'll sue the you know Secretary of the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force, and of course my personal favorite, Secretary of Veterans Abuse, I mean Affairs. And uh, you know we have a number of suits against uh, Secretary Shelton. And let, let me say first off, I like Secretary Shelton. He's a good guy. Uh, he you know, is. I mean we sue him in his. Uh, uh, in his official capacity, not in his personal capacity. Um, I've met with previous administration, the deputy secretary, a couple of times, and he's all right, uh, nice guy, uh, but kind of let us down. I've met with uh, Secretary McDonald, uh, again, a nice guy. met with him twice. Uh, one of the first things we brought to his attention was that there were some World War II veterans uh, that uh, had been exposed to mustard gas as part of an experiment. And uh, they were not being covered. There was a bill to cover them, and the VA was opposing that bill. And his eyebrows went up. He said, we are? I said, yes, Mr. Secretary, you are. Well, and I didn't think too much more about it, but uh, a couple of months later, he uh, reversed the VA's position. And he's actually, uh, uh, that bill was signed into law by President Trump this past August. Uh, he's also reversed position on some of the other things. Uh, we found him to be a very easy guy to talk with. He's very nice, and, and he'll talk with us. I mean, it took me years to get in to see Secretary McDonald's, and I had to uh, actually, literally ambush him in traffic to do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, with Secretary Shulkin, uh I was up there for his confirmation. I was tell a little story. Is, uh, he's walking up to the... Uh, the little table there, you know, straightening his notes, and the senators are marching in. So I figured, uh, what the heck, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I go up to him and say, hi, Dr. Shulkin, glad to meet you. My name is John Wells. And he said, oh, hi, Commander. See, it's really good to see you. <laughs> so, oh, my God, he knows me. Uh, and it's, uh, it's been good. He, uh, 
I think his heart's in the right place. He's got a heck of a mess there. Uh, and it's going to take him a while to uh, turn it around. Um, but, you know, at least he's trying. And, uh, you know, that's more than going to be said for some of the others. So anyhow, uh, Military Veterans Advocacy does legislation, litigation, and the third is education. Uh, we come on programs like this. Uh, we use social media. We write articles for The Hill and other op-eds for other periodicals. Uh, sometimes they get published, sometimes they don't. We go to uh, various uh, civic clubs, and uh, we teach uh, continuing legal education courses on veterans law for uh, attorneys. Uh, in fact, I've got one coming up on Friday. Uh, it's a, a three-hour course. We also work with uh, trying to get some veterans courts set up here in uh, southeast Louisiana. Uh, we've done that uh, uh, here locally. And uh, it's been in going for about seven months, and frankly, it's just fantastic. I, I chatted with the judge today, Judge Rachel, a super individual, and uh, told him I was really proud of what they've done in seven months. Uh, and it's uh, and we're going to continue to push for those too. Awesome. So I, I've got I've got two questions that I really want to get your opinion about. Um, the first is uh, the Bo Bergdahl verdict based on your military legal experience and, and, and being uh, there in Washington, why do you think he didn't get any more jail time? Because a lot of us find that we just, we're just, we have no words to describe why he's getting to walk free. Well, okay. First off, you've got to understand he's got, uh, uh, you know, Gene Fidel is an attorney who's probably one of the best, military attorneys uh, this country's ever produced. Um, uh, he's uh, uh, been called many things, including the godfather of military law, and yeah, and that's not meant as a slam, that's meant as a good thing. Uh, Gene is an extremely good lawyer. Okay, uh, The uh, matter was made by military judge alone uh, rather than members. I would have rather seen the combat members do that. Now, there's been a new change to the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which requires sentencing by judges only rather than members. I frankly did not like that change, I'm, and I'm not sure what went into effect, uh, but for whatever reason, uh, it was done just by a judge. So um, that issue was the fact that uh, he spent five years in, capacity, in uh, captivity, and I'm sure that Gene argued that he had... Um, probably uh, more intensive captivity than uh, uh, the disciplinary barracks at Fort Leavenworth. Uh, and I'm sure that was a factor in the judge's mind. Um, I wasn't surprised by the verdict. You were not I surprised. I was not surprised. I probably, if it was me, I would have certainly have given him some jail time. Okay. Uh, probably uh, you know, in the three to five years, okay, uh, because, again, I think that would have been a very intensive confinement. Uh, I think there would have been some safety issues and so on and so forth. But, so he would have been probably forced to ask for protective custody, which is effectively, you know, solitary confinement. Uh, but, you know, I wasn't the one making the decision. I didn't hear all the evidence and so on and so forth. And, again, like I say, Gene's a good lawyer. Uh, you got to give him that. The other factor was 
President Trump had made some comments about uh, you know the fact that uh, Bird Dallas should have been shot, and you know I sympathize with those comments. You know, but unfor- unfortunately, in this particular case, the question of unlawful command influence came up. Uh, would that have had an effect on the judge's decision, and would the judge have been forced to have given him more? confinement because the commander-in-chief wanted to. Now, I don't think that was the case, but I'm sure that was another factor in the, in the judge's mind. And, you know, if I'd been in Jane's shoes, I would have raised it. In fact, he did. Um, so, you know, I was not surprised by the verdict. Personally, I wouldn't have been upset if they had taken him out and shot him. But, you know, yeah, I mean, a lot of people were hurt and died because of it. But, you know, that's my personal John Wells speaking and just doing a thorough, trying to do a thorough legal analysis here. Um, uh, it's not, it's not cut and dry. It's, it's not. Uh, yeah. But Gene's a good lawyer. And I think I, I just, like I said, I was not surprised by it. I don't agree with it, but I wasn't surprised by it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So uh, just to go down the rabbit hole a little bit more, uh, you, 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 You've been serving our country since 1972. Uh, there's probably not a lot you haven't seen, but you know, I get asked this question a lot. You know, what do our veterans need at this point in time with everything we have for them? What's the most pressing issue that faces veterans? And I, I get a, a, a sometimes a lot of the same answers like PTSD or TBI, but what do you feel based on what you've seen is a problem that the majority of our veterans regardless of conflict face? Problem right now is toxic exposure and getting these veterans covered. Wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. I, I've never heard that before. Toxic exposure. I, that, that's just, sure. that's very different. Well, and, and let's take a look at it. Okay. okay. Post-traumatic stress is a serious problem. Okay. But, but it is being addressed. Okay. Suicides is a serious problem, but it's being addressed. Okay. Right. So, I mean, I'm not saying that we're there yet, but, uh, you know, they're working on it. Um, health, uh, reforming the VA medical system so it no longer gives you a second chance to die for your country. Uh, it's being worked. Okay. It's, you know, it's not, it's not saying we're there on any of these. We're not. But the problem is if you can't get into the system, okay, then how do you get to? Uh, the benefits. You know, you can have the best medical system in the world, but if the VA won't recognize that it's uh, service-connected uh, and you don't meet the non-service-connected criteria, you can't get into it. So let's take an example, okay? Um, well, uh, uh, the uh, mustard gas. You know, there were several hundred veterans that were not uh, eligible for treatment, okay, because... Congress would not pass a law to give them that. Radiation. We used to march people towards the mushroom cloud, for gosh sakes, in the 1950s. We have people that are not getting covered because they don't meet the very limited criteria. Glodulin, winning up there. Uh, It's just unbelievable. Agent Orange. Okay, everybody says, ah, Agent Orange, yeah, that's taken care of. Well, it's not because we have the Blue Water Navy. That's 90,000 veterans. 50,000 veterans or more on Guam. Betch didn't know Agent Orange was used on Guam. 
there was no tactical reason, but it's a great weed killer. So they were using it. The old, old guy with a, uh, a sprayer and a tractor was going around, and he sprayed all over the island, and it wound up getting in the aquifers. Uh, and, you know, we have on Anderson Air Force Base 19,000 parts per million of dioxin. All right, that's higher than what you got in Vietnam. Uh, it's uh, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, it was used there. Uh, Panama, Korea, Okinawa, it was used there, and a dozen other places. We've got Camp Lejeune, uh, finally, a guy by the name of Jerry Emsker, who's nine years old, daughter, died because of the polluted water, tainted, contaminated water there. He raised enough cane, and Senators Burr and then later Senator Tillis got behind him and eventually forced the VA to cover some diseases. I think they're covering eight uh, disabilities, and actually some, most of the medical folks say it's about 19. Fort McClellan, haven't even looked at that. That was the site of the Army Chemical Corps. Uh, there's a toxic cocktail there like you wouldn't believe. Uh, you've got, it's also, the, it was the site of the military police training school. It was the site of the uh, Women's Army Corps uh, boot camp. Uh, so it's, um, uh, you know, all those folks going through there, and the VA doesn't recognize it. Uh, Gulf War disease, I mean, we're covering some of it. We don't even know what caused the doggone thing, okay? Burn pits. For those of you who don't know what burn pits are, they take uh, backhoes and cranes, and they dig us something about three stories deep and, um, you know, about the size of a, uh, of a major office, and they throw everything in the world in there, old computers, batteries, uh, plastic bottles, um, vinyl, um, you know, laminate, wood, uh, human waste, medical waste, uh, body parts, animal carcasses, probably the occasional Taliban wound up in there just because it was easier than bearing. Then they dumped um, diesel fuel on top of it, lit it off, and they had our troops birthed downwind of that. And all of a sudden they couldn't understand why all these 30-year-olds were getting um, uh, COPD. And the VA initially, and still to this day, uh, doesn't recognize that. Right, they don't. Uh, all of these folks coming up, uh, I mean... We're, we're addressing a lot of problems right now, and uh, but there, these are potential problems. We estimate about four and a half million veterans, okay, that uh, are not covered um, due to, uh, because of toxic exposure. And here's the problem: we can go sit down and members of Congress, senators, and I've done it, okay. We can all lay it all out for them, and they say, "Wow." Yeah, we agree with you. How are you going to pay for it? And therein lies the problem. In 2010, Congress passed a, a, a law called the Pay As You Go Act of 2010. Okay, uh, it's uh, designed to help get control of the deficit. And at the time, we were running one and a half trillion dollars a year deficit, so it's uh, uh, it, it has helped. Uh, there's no question. But they did not exempt veterans' benefits uh, from that law. I think they should have, but they didn't. So it's the law that we have now. What it requires is that any time you add a new benefit, you have to find uh, some place to cut it. And, you know, I mean, hey, give me the VA budget, a red pen, 30 minutes. Uh, you know, I, I'll raise the money for the $4.5 million. You know, that, that's easy, okay? 
but it has to come out of mandatory spending. That's what the law and the policy says. So in order to do that, I've got to cut somebody else's benefits. So take the Blue Water Navy folks, 90,000 people. Uh, Congressional Budget Office estimated a cost of $1.1 billion over 10 years. How do I pay for that? Okay. Uh, initially, I found some money in the uh, uh, VA home loan program because they were costing and allocating money for $470,000 for every home. Well, a lot of homes, unless you're in a major metro area, homes didn't cost that much. Right. Uh, so there was money there. Uh, but um, uh, that was about $5 billion of that, and that went to fund uh, uh, the choice program. Okay. Uh, so I got sucked into that in 2013. Uh, we looked at uh, a concept called round downs, where you know, for every year you get your percentage increase. Let's say you get uh, $25.39, you would round it down to $25. So each individual veteran would only lose as a maximum $11.88 a year. I think we figured the average is about five and a quarter. Bernie Sanders didn't like that. And he uh, actually stopped it when he was chair of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee in 2013. So after he left, we proposed in 2015 that, that we use round downs. Um, the, uh, unfortunately, Bernie said he was going to put a, a hold on the bill. You know, uh, one senator can put a hold on a bill if we try to use round downs. Okay. Then we went to uh, work with uh, Senator Grassley's folks in judiciary. I mean, this is a major effort. Got them to come up and say, we'll do foreign student visa surcharge. $100 every 13 months, okay? Right. That's not going to break anybody, and it'll raise enough money, okay? Uh, Senator Leahy, ranking member of the uh, Judiciary Committee, who initially had apparently bought off on it, came back and said, nope, we're not going to do that, uh, and threatened to put a hold on the bill. So that went away, and that was like December last year. We just came back again with round downs, and I met with Sanders' people and told him, you know, hey, if you put a hold on a bill, we pass it in the House, and you put a hold on, on in the bill in the Senate, you know, I'm going to visit every VFW, American Legion, and whatever open, uh, uh, up in Vermont. And our Princess Susie lives right across the border in New York State, so she said she'd put me up there. Uh, and uh, I don't know what, what Sanders decided became moot because uh, we brought it up at the House, and uh, Congressman Tim Walls, the ranking member, Democrat of Minnesota, uh, indicated no, he did not support the round-downs and forced uh, the chairman, who was very supportive of the bill, to uh, uh, table, the, table the bill. So now we've got to go back and find another funding source. The problem is there is none. Okay. Now, we can talk about taking off the tax cut. We can talk about, uh, you know, cancel a couple F-35s. We can talk about all that stuff and all the ideology and all the rest of that, but it's not going to happen, okay? So what's the biggest problem? Getting these victims of toxic exposure covered and having the funding and an independent, dedicated funding source to do that. My organization has recommended uh, that we come up with uh, a dedicated veterans trust fund can only be used for toxic exposure research and we do need a toxic exposure research center and I, I talked with Secretary Shulkin on that and I think he agrees 
but only used for research and for benefits. We estimate it's going to take about $25 billion over 10 years. Now, set up this trust fund where can only, money can only be diverted upon a presidential finding of necessity and two-thirds vote of both houses of Congress. Given the current environment, if we're not being invaded from outer space, we ain't going to get two-thirds of Congress to agree on very much. Then, how do we fund that? We're looking at adding a $10 fee to each income tax return. Okay, uh, And uh, it would be a mandatory fee, not so unlike the presidential fee, uh, which is voluntary. Uh, it would be uh, it would be mandatory, but, you know, hey, that's less than the price of a movie ticket. It's less than a buck a month. Um, you know, everybody can can afford that. You know, we've announced that to the VA committee. They told us go see Ways and Means. We went to the Ways, Ways and Means committee. They told us go see the VA committee. So we're trying to see both. But <laughs> the bottom line is that may not be the answer. I don't know. But somehow we've got to fund it. If we're not going to fund them, and I've told this straight to congressmen and congresswomen and senators, if you're not going to fund it, then just come out and say, okay, we're going to stop saying on Veterans Day, Memorial Day, and Fourth of July how great veterans are. You guys, joke's on you. You guys just go away and die. You know, I'd rather them say that than to be the, uh, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the hypocrisy of it. And people look at it and say, ooh, gosh, that's not nice. You're being mean. But, you know, what the heck? Uh, these guys raised their right hand, yep. took the oath. They went out. You know, I mean, if they took the bullet, they took the bullet. Okay? Uh, everybody was prepared for that. But they weren't prepared to have their water poisoned. They weren't prepared to have their air poisoned. Okay? That wasn't part of the contract. And so because that happened, I'm not trying to blame anybody, but because it happened, uh, we need to take care of them, and we're not doing it. Four and a half million veterans need compensation and benefits, okay? So that's what I see as the biggest problem, and that's probably a much longer answer than you wanted. Well, I, I'm not worried about the time because I've never heard this kind of response before. Usually it's PTSD. Usually it's, uh, you know, the VA stinks or it sucks no one has really articulated it, and I think people need to hear that. And I think people need to hear and that. Don't get me wrong; those things are all important. Okay, I'm not denigrating. No, no, I'm no. Just saying, but they are being addressed, and this is something that's not being addressed. Well, I mean, my concern would be is if if, if this is not being addressed and it's happened in the past, what's to, what's to stop it from not being addressed in the future? There's Marine buddies I've served with who are dealing with the Camp Lejeune water issue. That's happened before. Now it's happening again. So I, I think it's it's definitely uh, one of these times where I learned something new. And um, I, I was just curious. You're doing all this. You're doing this at a time when most guys in, in your demographic, your age group, are you know going to the golf club a couple times a week, maybe you know uh, driving the car around. You're you're still uh, getting it done. How can we out here in the world, uh, you know, get involved or help or understand better what uh, you do? Well, we're actually expanding somewhat. Uh, the uh, uh, I've expanded our board of directors just recently. We've added some, you know, just awesome people. Uh, we brought in a legislative director who's part time, uh, 
And of course, uh, uh, Princess Susie's our uh, deputy chief staff for uh, congressional relations. I have one for family values. And all these folks are volunteers. None of us take a, a, a salary. Now we do. We are a 501c3 tax exempt organization, and uh, you can make a tax exempt donation if you want. Uh, you can go to our website www militaryveteransadvocacy.org and we do take uh, Visa, MasterCard, and Discover or there's the address to uh, send a check. Um, and that helps pay the expenses. I'm based in Louisiana so you know, I do fly up to D.C. and uh, I fly southwest. You know, no, no charter jets for me. Uh, and I try to stay in a, uh, in a hotel that's um, you know, across the river in Crystal City and, you know, I shop around on Hotels.com to try to get the uh, uh, cheapest that I can. Um, it's, uh, but still, you know, a hotel in uh, in the D.C. area, most times it's going to run around 150 to $200 a night. Right. Uh, lucked out. Uh, this past January and February, I got one for an average of 56 bucks a night. I spent two weeks up there for that. <laughs> you know, just, uh, uh, but that's unusual. Okay, most of the time you're going to pay definitely in three figures. And uh, Travis, got to be honest with you, those uh, park benches get kind of hard, and especially in the wintertime with snow on you. So I, I do like to have a place to uh, 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 to put my head at night uh, in, a, in a base of operations. Uh, I do, you know, have to eat up there as well. Um, anything uh, that's uh, alcoholic. Uh, if I have a drink with dinner, I pay for that out of my own pocket. I don't pay for that uh, uh, through uh, military veterans advocacy. And if I'm going up there for my law practice, and I still do some of that up there, you know, then the law practice usually pays for the, what well, does it pays for the uh, couple of nights in the hotel, and it'll pay for the uh, the plane fare because I have to go up there anyhow. I'll pay for some of the meals as well. You know, I try to be a good steward of that money, but we do have to spend it on. Uh, travel, which is probably our biggest thing. We have, you know, the expenses of anything dealing with litigation. We have filing fees. We have uh, court reporters, uh, things of that nature, transcripts. Um, we have, um, uh, you know, our social media campaign. Uh, Facebook is free, but if you want to take a Facebook ad, uh, then that that's going to cost some money. So we do that. Uh, you know, it's a... Uh, um, it, it, we we try to be very good stewards, but you know it does cost money. And by the oh, way, uh, at the end of each year, I do put my well uh, financial statement, my profit and loss, on uh, the website so anybody can look at it. We don't uh, we don't live high on the hog. Uh, try not to anyhow. I mean, I you know I'm, I'm not going to live on just on rabbit food, but you know we try to watch our p's and q's and kind of go from there. The other thing is we do have veterans that will uh, accompany us and usually they fly up at their own expense and uh, we will you know usually buy their dinners that sort of thing because they're going around the hill with us uh, but you know it's uh, yeah, yeah we try to be as um, penny wise as possible I mean uh, I think last year we spent about twenty two thousand dollars and that was spent for 
oh gosh, I think I was 10 or 11, maybe 12 weeks on the hill in, in D.C., so uh, I don't think that was uh, too excessive for everything that we have to do. No, it definitely... Uh... I'd also add, none of us take a salary, okay? In fact, uh, I won't tell you how much my... I personally donated this year because I want my wife to find out, but, you know, uh, uh, a number of us will start dig into our own pockets and... Uh, contribute so it's a that's a good way to do it i mean the financial help is uh, something that we're looking for you know it's uh because uh, right and, now we're into about 10 to 12 weeks a year is about all we can spend up there so and, and your website is i have it as militaryveteransadvocacy.org that's correct and, and for any federal employees out there we do get uh, some money from the uh, combined federal campaign, and our uh, combined federal campaign number is five nine nine zero five. So I will have uh, the Hill article in the website. I will have the link to your uh, military veterans advocacy in the blog post for the website. Also, you have a Facebook page that people can like, and if you want, yeah, if you want to stay in the know about what. Uh, Commander Wells is doing uh, like that fa page. That's how I got the the uh, 411 on the Hill article, and it's just very uh, cool to get to talk to you. Uh, I, you know, the, the the guy who hired me out of the Marine Corps for my current job was a naval submariner, and there's a lot of experience with uh, you know the, the the Korean War, the Vietnam era veterans that can be passed down to us younger guys and um, again while a lot of guys are out uh, you know golfing or doing whatever or, you know trying to uh, get a workout in you're you're still advocating for us and um, I appreciate that there's there should be more of that so thank you um, well, uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, a couple of the things we have going on. There's anybody in the uh, Tampa, St. Pete area, okay? We're going to be uh, sponsoring a demonstration uh, at the Bay Pines VA on uh, uh, the uh, the ninth. It's tomorrow. So you know, if you're in that area, drop by and give support to our folks. Um, it's uh, what else have we got going on? Uh, currently, we have 9,428 likes on our Facebook page. I'm trying to get up to 10,000 because that seems to be a um, kind of a, a threshold. And when we tell the members of Congress, yeah, we got 10,000 likes, uh, you know, they seem to really want to listen to us a little more so that, you know, we're not just a voice in the wilderness. Well, sir, um, I, I will definitely point people to your website. I, I Again, I mean, my my real desire to talk to you was, of course, to hear about your response. But then the more I, I dug, the more I realized, like, wow, th th this 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 man has done a whole lot more with his uh, time in the military than simply, you know, command a desk, if you will. And, and you have that kind of uh, can-do attitude that I think a lot of us uh, need to hear from every now and then. So... Um, definitely uh, would like to have you back on in the future if you have something going on and certainly enjoy my time with you. Is there anything else that um, you want to bring up before we close? Yeah, I just, you know, don't want to make too much 
of the thing with uh, uh, with the Saints. I, I made my decision. I stand by the decision. I think it was the right decision. Uh, you know, some of the people tend to try to read political or other motives into it, and that's why I wrote the Hill article. It kind of explains what I've tried to do here tonight, uh, what um, the way I feel and uh, why I made my decision. So, uh, you know, I, I was not trying to, uh, you know, say that I'm in favor of police brutality or racism or anything else. It's just that I'm in favor of respecting our flag, and, that, and that's what I have to say. Um, by the way, I, uh, I will be on Waters World coming up this Sunday, Saturday, I'm sorry, on uh, Fox News. I think it's 8 o'clock Eastern, so... Hopefully I'm not going to run about the same time that this is, but, you know, if you get a chance, you know, certainly check that out as well. Well, we will be on, uh, you know, we're on uh, Thursday, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then uh, through the blog post, you can hear this podcast on SoundCloud, and it will be on iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. So, uh, sir, Marine to Navy, my Navy brother, um, thank you so much. Um, I don't know if, I never can get happy Veterans Day out, but I, I would just say, um, you know, thank I you. And um, I, I plan on, you know, staying in touch and hopefully you can come back on and update us as things progress with your organization. Please do, you know, and uh, please stay in touch and let's... Uh and work together to help veterans. I mean, um, I'm getting close to retirement, so this is my hobby, I guess. And, um, you know, we're going to continue to do it until I can't do it anymore. And then I've got some young folks coming up who will be able to continue to do it, follow, follow along with that. Well, as we say in the Marine Corps, outstanding. Well, folks, this is uh, uh, Travis with Oscar Mike Radio and my guest, the Executive Director of Military Veterans Advocacy, uh, retired Navy Commander John Wells. Sir, thank you once again. This is uh, Oscar Mike Radio, and we are out.